Hi, I'm Jason. And I'm Scott. Welcome to Skip Down Shuffle, a podcast where we delve into an overlooked song by a popular artist. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about Harry Nielsen and his song, I Never Thought I'd Get This Lonely, off his 1977 album, Nielsen. This should be a pretty interesting episode because Harry Nielsen is one of those people where I, I think if you're really into music, you would know him. I think probably some people, as as we go through this episode, even if you're not familiar with him, you'd be like, oh, I know that song. Oh, I recognize that song. But you might know it from another artist who's covered him because he's... I. I the term gets thrown around a lot, but I feel like Harry Nielsen is one of those like musicians, musician people where if you like really appreciate interesting music and interesting songwriting at some point, you've probably stumbled across him. Yeah. I think it's, it it's summed up really easily with the documentary that they created for Harry Nielsen after he died. Uh, the, the documentary is literally called who is Harry Nielsen. And it's kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek similar kind of sense of humor thing as to him you know as a songwriter in general is just like this kind of play on the idea that you know he's this pretty famous songwriter who's got a ton of like you know grammy winning material yet very few people outside of like the the hardcore music listener or the or the musicians actually even know who he is so it's kind of this joke of being like well who is harry nielsen and of course you know they clearly he was famous enough to make this documentary and he's been a, you know, a huge influence on music uh, throughout the sixties and seventies and even through today. But, you know, still like if you go up to just like random person and say like, who, you know, who is Harry Nilsson? They'll be like, who, you know, and, and also kind of funny because you kind of get no sense of, you get at least a sense of humor, but no real sense of who he is from kind of just the music alone. I feel like a lot of the times we talk about, you know, a lot of artists on here writing, you know, really personal things and just Harry Nielsen just has this kind of whimsy and humor and kind of keeps everything, I, I, I think, at a little bit of a distance. So, I mean, he's been through quite a bit in his life and we'll get to that in a second. Um, but I, I feel like he kind of has this mystery about him. And hence, you know, the the who is Harry Nielsen is kind of a, a valid question. I never thought I'd get this lonely. I never thought I'd feel this way, way. Daytime, nighttime mean nothing to me. Wrong time, right time, what can it be? All right, so we're going to dive into who Harry Nielsen was. So Harry Nielsen was born in Brooklyn, New York in 1941. He was raised by his mother and maternal grandparents who lived nearby during his early years in New York City. 
His father had abandoned the family a few years after Harry was born, but his mother told him for many years after that he had been killed in World War II. Nielsen had a half-sister and half-brother from his mother's side that he lived with. At a young age, his mother took Harry and his sister, leaving his brother to live with other relatives, and moved the family to Southern California. They were quite poor, so from a young age, Harry worked to help support the family. They moved around Southern California before finally arriving in Los Angeles. Harry would drop out of school in the ninth grade and got a job at the Paramount Theater in L.A. The Paramount was a major venue drawing all kinds of acts, including rock shows. Harry would watch the performers, eventually learning some basics on the piano and guitar. While he made some attempts to embark on a musical career performing and improvising lyrics, it wasn't until the theater closed in 1960 that Harry began to pursue songwriting more seriously. Needing a job, Harry applied to work in the computer department of a bank. He was hired and quickly learned on the job, which was an overnight shift. So in the daytime, he was free to work on his songs and performing. His uncle gave him singing lessons to improve his voice, and he began looking for employment as a songwriter. He started out making $5 for every track he recorded with producer Scott Turner. Harry soon wrote a song with John Mariscalco for Little Richard, who was rather impressed with Nielsen's voice. Mariscalco continued to work with Nielsen, releasing a few singles. Those tracks got Harry a job with Mercury Records, and during this time, Nielsen worked on a few songs with Phil Spector and met George Tipton, who would invest in studio time to record four songs he had arranged for Harry. They managed to sell those recordings to Capitol Records on their Tower label. This led to a recording contract for Harry, and he released his debut album, Spotlight on Harry. While the album didn't gain critical or commercial success, the songs would go on to be recorded by acts as diverse as the Yardbirds, Shangri-Las, Glenn Campbell, the Monkees, and even Fred Astaire. Nielsen continued to pursue music and still continued his job at the bank, but then he scored a record deal, signing with RCA for $50,000 on a three-record deal. The first of those records was Pandemonium Shadow Show. The album contained Nielsen's original compositions and covers of two songs by the Beatles, She's Leaving Home and You Can't Do That, the latter going on to be a top 10 hit in Canada while it charted rather low in America. While it wasn't a commercial success, it did catch the attention of a number of people in the music industry, thanks to Beatles publicist Derek Taylor. Interestingly, it wasn't Nielsen's Beatles covers that caught the attention of Taylor, but rather hearing the song 1941 on his car radio. Let's take a listen. Well, in 1941, a happy father had a son. And by 1944, the father walks right out the door. And in 45, the mom and son were still alive. But who could tell in 46 if the two were to survive? Well, the years were passing quickly, but not fast enough for him. So he closed his eyes till 55, then he opened them up again. And when he looked around, he saw clowns. He went on to order a bunch of copies of the record to share with his musical colleagues, including giving a copy to each member of the Beatles. John Lennon and Paul McCartney would go on to say Nielsen was their favorite American artist at a press conference, which, as you might expect, would draw a lot of attention to Nielsen. The Beatles would eventually invite him to London, and he became close friends with two of the band members, John Lennon and drummer Ringo Starr. It was around this time that Nielsen's manager was attempting to get Harry comfortable with live performances and touring. There were TV appearances and a short tour in Europe was arranged, but Nielsen greatly disliked performing and wanted to focus on writing and recording. In 1968, Nielsen released Aerial Ballet, featuring two of Nielsen's biggest songs. Everybody's Talking, a cover of a Fred Neal song that charted modestly when it was first released, but would go on to become a huge hit when the movie Midnight Cowboy included it in the film a year later. The song would earn Nielsen a Grammy Award. Let's listen to that one. Yeah. 
Everybody's talking at me I don't hear words they're saying Only the echoes of my mind People stopping staring I can't see their faces The other song was an original composition, One. That song was covered by the band Three Dog Night, and that version became a bigger hit than Nielsen's, but let's take a listen to his original. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do Two can be as bad as one It's the loneliest number since the number one No is the saddest experience you'll ever know Nielsen released his fourth album, Harry, in 1969. This was the first record to chart on the Billboard 200. While it didn't have a runaway hit on it, Harry chose the song Simon Smith and the Amazing Dancing Bear by a little-known songwriter by the name of Randy Newman. Nielsen loved Newman's songwriting, and the two collaborated on Harry's next record, aptly titled Nielsen Sings Newman. That record wasn't much of a commercial success either, but continued Nielsen's growing admiration from critics and Stereo Magazine, which reviewed musicians in addition to covering record equipment, and called it their album of the year in 1970. His next project would be an album and an animated film based on a fable he wrote called The Point. The story follows Oblio, a boy born with a round head, in a land where everything and everyone must have a point. Oblio's mother knits him a hat to cover his pointless condition, but runs afoul of a mean-spirited count and is exiled with his dog Arrow. They go on an adventure, meeting a number of interesting characters, and eventually making their way back home. The single Me and My Arrow hit number 34 on the charts, so let's listen to that one. Me and my arrow As Nielsen continued to become popular, there was a demand for new songs, and with Pandemonium Shadow Show and Aerial Ballet both out of print, Nielsen remixed and recorded new vocals for a record that compiled songs from those two as Aerial Pandemonium Ballet. It's considered one of the first remix records. In the meantime, Nielsen was working on his seventh album and what would become his biggest record, Nielsen Schmielsen. Released toward the end of 1971, Nielsen Schmielsen was a critical and commercial success. It featured a cover of Bad Fingers Without You that gave him a number one hit and a Grammy Award for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance. Here's that one. I can't live if living is without you. The album showed Harry's amazing range and diversity of musical interests, as exemplified by the hit Coconut. So let's take a listen to that one, too. 
Nielsen Schmielsen was produced by Richard Perry, who had helped hone Nielsen's natural talent into a well-polished and more commercially viable sound. Perry and Nielsen would quickly get to work on a follow-up, but things quickly started to fall apart. Perry was confident that they could repeat their previous success, but Nielsen started to assert the creative control he was more used to in the studio. Harry's impulses tended towards leaving the production sloppier than early recordings, and he often included more vulgarities in his lyrics, which Perry felt would upset his mainstream audience and the commercial success that he had worked so hard for. For example, from that record, here's the infamous You're Breaking My Heart, which is sometimes referred to as the Fuck You song. You're breaking my heart, you're tearing it apart, so fuck you. Son of Schmielsen failed to reach the heights of his previous record, peaking at number 12 and receiving lukewarm reviews from critics. Nielsen and Perry parted ways. Harry's next record had him singing the Great American Songbook with an orchestra conducted by Frank Sinatra's arranger, Gordon Jenkins. While a common musical endeavor nowadays to cover these standards, in 1973 the record was a bit of an oddity and was not very successful, peaking at number 46 on the Billboard charts. Here's Nielsen's take on the classic As Time Goes By. must remember this A kiss is still a kiss A sigh is just a sigh The fundamental thing Nielsen soon ran into a friend, John Lennon, in California. During a separation from Yoko Ono, Lennon was on somewhat of a bender and found Nielsen an eager partner in drinking, drugs, and recording. Lennon wanted to produce Nielsen's next album, and the two completed Pussycats in 1974. All the drinking and partying took a toll on Nielsen's voice, even leading to a ruptured vocal cord that Nielsen continued to work through, afraid that it would derail the sessions and Lennon's participation. You can hear the rough shape Harry's voice was in on nearly every track, but especially on Old Forgotten Soldier. I'm an old forgotten campaign After the record's poor performance hitting only 60 on the charts, RCA considered dropping Nielsen. 
Lennon and Ringo Starr went to the negotiations with Nielsen about his contract with RCA, saying they might be interested in signing in the label in the future, but wouldn't sign if Nielsen wasn't on the label. RCA continued to keep Nielsen aboard, and Lennon and Starr never did end up signing with RCA. Nielsen's voice slowly recovered, and he released three more records over 1975 and 1976. Do It on Monday, Sandman, and That's the Way It Is. The records continued Nielsen's decline in the charts, and none were nearly as critically acclaimed as his earlier material. In 1977, Nielsen was on his final record of his RCA contract. He worked hard on a new batch of songs, and with his voice back to its former glory, he asked RCA to help him mount a comeback with his next record. They agreed, and Nielsen released his 14th record, Nielsen. The record had all original tracks by Harry and thoughtful production that recalls his earlier work. You can hear that on All I Think About Is You. darkness at the close of day when all I think about is you not knowing where I'm going what am I to do when all I think about is you We'll get back to talking about this record more as today's song, I Never Thought I'd Get So Lonely, is on this one. For reasons we'll discuss, the album failed to bring back Nielsen's career and he was finished with RCA. Afterwards, his musical output dwindled. He released another original album, Flash Harry, but only in the UK. One of the more notable projects was writing songs for Robert Altman's Popeye film in 1980, but the songs failed to impress critics. Nielsen would spend several years dabbling in TV and film production. In 1993, Nielsen suffered a heart attack due to a congenital heart problem he had. Nielsen survived and went to RCA asking for a retrospective box set and to cap off his career with one more record. He finished recording vocals, but died of heart failure in January 1994 before completing it. He was 52. RCA would eventually re-release his work as a box set in 2013. In 2019, Lost and Found, Nielsen's final album would be released, completed by his producer at the time, who had held on to Harry's vocal takes for 25 years. Okay, that's quite a career, but let's go back to 1977 and talk about the song I Never Thought I'd Get So Lonely from the album Nielsen. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Right about now, in most podcasts, you'd be hearing an ad for something, uh, but we are trying to keep Skipped on Shuffle ad-free, and the way we're going to be able to do that is through Patreon. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash skippedonshuffle. Any donations go to support the costs associated with running this podcast. I never thought I'd feel this low down. I never thought I'd feel this way. Since you left me, heaven help me, what am I to do? Who will need me, who will feed me when I'm through with you? Do you still love me? As Jason just discussed in the history of Harry Nielsen, this is a guy who doesn't really do things by the conventional manner. I know that there's a lot of, you know, you can't really talk about a legendary musician without mentioning like, oh, they did things their own way and they, you know, didn't pay attention to the trends and just did it, just did it the way that they felt and whatever. And 
and and that's all true, I'm sure, when you're talking about everybody. But Harry Nielsen was a little bit more, I don't know, iconoclastic maybe is a good word. I don't know. He was doing things so different that it's it's it it almost makes you kind of like nowadays you kind of like raise your eyebrow like as an example uh harry nielsen on a lot of his tracks uh does like a scat vocal thing and he does that on this track that we're talking about today but he also does it on a lot of his big hits where he just sort of like you know mumbles and says like nonsense words to a melody and that's not something you hear very often it's not something that like you see on a lot of you know, uh, especially on a lot of bigger hits by, by a particular artist, you might, you know, there might be some weird B side by, you know, like whoever, you know, that they're just sort of like going and, you know, people are like, Oh, that's funny. And then they move on with their life. But Harry Nielsen, that was like a core part of what he did. So that's just kind of like the, you kind of have to remember when, you know, throughout this entire episode, as we talk about this guy, that he didn't really do things the normal way. And that's kind of why people really enjoy him is that he, because he is so bizarre and quirky and strange. Yeah. And I mean, even just he in his recording studio, he would record his own harmonies and that's not something most people did. So people would like hear these harmonies and be like, man, who is that singing backup? And it's like, Oh, I'm singing backup to myself. And that was something, you know, odd. And, you know, Scott mentioned the, the scat singing and stuff where you're listening and you feel like, oh, if this was anybody else I was listening to, this would be a guitar solo or somebody would throw in, you know, a trumpet or something to like take care of these sounds as opposed to this guy with this crazy, amazing vocal range that's able to to do these things that sound so different from what the rest of the song sounds like. So even though, you know, it's this guy singing, you know, he's singing in a completely different range when he does that stuff. Um, and he kind of does these, you know, I, I, I realized, you know, one of the albums is called aerial ballet, but it is this kind of balletic performance that he can do with his voice because he's just so good and can get away with it. And yeah, it just makes everything so much more interesting, especially, yeah, compared to some of the other, you know, acts in the sixties and seventies, it doesn't really sound like anything else. The problem, of course, that comes up with being that kind of an artist is that inevitably certain things that you do are going to go too, too off the beaten path for the, for the, you know, for the, the average listener. And that's kind of what happened to Harry towards the, the middle and end of his career is that he started just going off the rails and, you know, with the Pussycats album that he made with John Lennon, it was just like, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty out there. And and then he started seeing like his albums, you know, not really having much commercial success. And so this album that we're talking about today, though, this is at the end of his contract. So he signed with RCA. And if you'll remember, Jason discussed in, in, in the history that John Lennon and Ringo Starr had to kind of swoop in and save him from getting dropped from his label. So he's at the end of his record deal. He knows he's not going to get re-signed and he's, he's going to make this record and he's kind of got a, you know, he wants to recapture the spirit that he had from his, you know, from his early days and make it so this record can act as something that's going to bring him back into the limelight. And that's kind of how you have to listen to this record. And you have to kind of keep in mind the history of a guy who started as nobody, became somebody, and then saw that, you know, that status sort of very slowly decline down to the point where he feels like nobody even cares anymore. Say you 
puts out this record which i think for and i speak as a, a, a pretty serious harry nielsen fan i think easily one of his best records but as luck would have it he releases this record in 1977 and another rca artist by the name of elvis presley dies so he had worked so hard on this album and had kind of you know, promise to RCA, like, I'm going to make a great album. I'm going to work really hard on this and I need you guys to like help me promote it. And they had kind of, you know, made amends and agreed that they were going to, you know, put, put some weight behind this and get his name out there, get this record out there, get it on the radio. And once Elvis dies, kind of just all bets were off and RCA is like, okay, we can't give any attention to you or spend the money we thought we were going to spend promoting you. Like everything is just going to go to, you know, pushing all this Elvis stuff while we can. So we're going to, you know, reissue our old Elvis Presley recordings. We're going to just basically do everything we can because we know that everyone is going to be like, oh my God, Elvis died. No one's going to be like, oh my God, Nielsen made this great album you should hear. So just, I mean, who knows what would have happened had, you know, that not, had Elvis not died. But, you know, just the kind of, bad luck on Harry Nielsen's part that I feel like partly is his own doing, but in this case was really just a circumstance completely beyond his control. Um, so that's kind of what also makes this album sort of interesting is because, you know, here's a guy who didn't tour, didn't want to, you know, go on TV and even perform, uh, didn't want to do any of the sort of normal stuff that you would expect artists to to do like even in the 60s and 70s i mean you know not everyone was playing shows like the who and led zeppelin where you'd be out there for you know two or three hours playing but you know people were expected to you know you'd be on a bill and probably do like you know a 30 minute 45 minute set and he just didn't want to do any of that so that's what's also interesting with his record is it kind of left him sort of in this void where he can't even promote himself in any way shape or form because you know the record company you know short of him calling up you know the 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 radio stations and being like hey can you play my new album like there was kind of no way to get the word out that you know he had put this record out earlier in the history of harry nielsen jason mentioned that he recorded a standards album and we we kind of just quickly mention that during the history, but uh, we're, we're going to sort of expand upon it right now to, to, talk, to, to get to talking about this album, uh, Nielsen. So with, with the Standards album, Harry Nielsen was advised by multiple people, including the producer of his most famous record, uh, Nielsen Smilchen, uh, not to do the Standards record. And as Jason said, the, 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 the idea of doing a standards record now is almost like uh, it's almost like a cliche. It's like you get to a certain point in your career and then you record a standards album because it's it's easy to do. It doesn't cost much. You don't have to pay any royalties. You just make the record and put it out. It's like it's like doing a Christmas album. Uh, but back then, this was a, a, a pretty unknown thing. It was it was very I guess the best way to put it was it was very uncool of Nielsen to make a a standards album. And as Jason said, the album didn't do well. It wasn't very 
you know, well-received commercially or critically. Um, and it kind of just kind of like passed over. But the reason that Harry made that record, and th this is explored in depth in the documentary that we mentioned earlier, who is Harry Nielsen, he was super, super passionate about that record. He really, really wanted to make it. And even though everyone he knew was saying, don't do this, don't do it, he pressed on with it. And, and it, it was like his big passion project and it obviously didn't go anywhere. So what's interesting. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because this album Nielsen is made years after that, you know, that, that, uh, unfortunate, you know, uh, not not flop, but unfortunately not well-received record of standards. This album sounds a lot like that. It's very orchestral. It's 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 mostly just an orchestra and Harry's voice. There are there are other instruments on there. There's guitars, there's drums, and you know, uh conventional rock stuff is 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 in there as well. But overlaying everything is this orchestra. And it's almost like Harry tried to make the standards album but with his own material. And, and that's what it's, it's, it kind of makes it an interesting listen, especially if you're somebody who has listened to a lot of those standards albums and gets to hear kind of like a, 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 an interpretation of a standards record, but with original material. I think that's really important to point out because I think a lot of the times when you hear like a pop or rock record and you know, you hear the orchestra or the strings come in or whatever, it's kind of an afterthought to sort of like fill in. But on this record, it's such an integral part of all these songs and really carries them along basically from beginning to end. I mean, as Scott mentioned, you know, there's guitar parts on there. There's cool percussion stuff going on. Um, there's, you know, stories you can read of Harry, you know, staying up late drinking with the, you know, percussionist, like trying to bang on different things and make interesting sounds. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the orchestra is just so essential here and it sounds, yeah, like a standards album, but modernized. Uh, and it makes for a really interesting listen. And I think it also in talking about this album, you have to kind of mention that it sort of captures the whimsy and spirit and lightheartedness of his like earlier sixties material, um, more so than kind of capturing everything when he was sort of at his commercial height. This sounds more like if you listen to, you know, pandemonium shadow show, but again, you know, that combined with the standards album equals this Nielsen album. Uh, so it kind of makes sense on the, you know, the trajectory of him as an artist, but still just, it sounds unlike anything else really out there. I can't really f think of a comparable album. Uh, the most I was thinking of, and we've recorded an episode on her is Fiona Apple, just someone who does something that just sounds so different. You're just like, it all sounds familiar to me. Nothing sounds totally weird, but I'm not used to hearing it in this way or this sort of context where it just, you know, kind of works in, I, I think what happens is somebody who, as Scott mentioned, you know, where, where Harry Nielsen has this great reverence for these old songs, where it's someone who's able to take kind of that musical influence, but kind of do their own spin on it. So it's totally new, but feels old and familiar in that way. I'm sorry. Say I 
the song that we're focused on today off this record, I Never Thought I'd Get This Lonely, uh, is a prime example of of this orchestrated, uh, I guess, pop orchestra is, is a way we could put it, um, where it starts off, you know, with like this like simple kind of bass note happening. And then this orchestra just like sweeps in and then it becomes more like a, a, a it has, a, you know, it has a more like traditional kind of pop rock structure that continues on from there. But as Jason was saying, the orchestra is not just a, a garnish to a rock song. It is it is the song. And it's it's a very uh, passionate song that is kind of goes in the classic uh, Harry Nielsen realm of being incredibly self-deprecating and emotional and passionate, but also kind of sad, kind of funny, kind of quirky and, and all those things wrapped up in one. And that's, it, it, it's, it's, it's a good choice for a skipped on shuffle track because this is in a lot of ways, a classic Harry Nielsen track that a lot of people probably have never heard before. <laughs> yeah. And he kind of does everything that he does on this. There's some scat singing, there's whistling, he shows off his vocal range, um, you know, and, and there's that humor where, you know, one of the lines is, I never thought I'd feel this low down. And of course he delivers it. I never thought I'd feel this low down <laughs> and, you know, like showing off, you know, his range, but also just, yeah, just kind of making a joke in this kind of really sad breakup song. I mean, some of these lyrics are, since you left me, heaven help me. What am I to do? Who will need me? Who will feed me? <laughs> You know, I mean, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, this kind of like jokingness, like who will take care of me? Um, but yeah, and, and there's so much in here and especially, you know, I'm talking about kind of the vocal range, you know, when he gets to the end, there's this kind of cry, scream, screech at the end. And all, all I can think of is, is just like when you're listening to like James Brown and James Brown, you know, does those does what he does where he goes into like, you know, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like still in tune. Yeah. Like you're able to kind of like screech and scream, but it's like not just a random note. You're like, it's, it's controlled. Um, so he kind of pulls out all the vocal tricks here. Uh, I feel like the percussion on this track is like super interesting. As I mentioned, he would kind of like stay up late drinking, you know, banging on bottles, trying all sorts of or different things. And I don't know, it's, it's just, I feel like if I was, somebody was to ask me what kind of like sums up Harry Nielsen in one track, I feel like, I think this is what I would suggest to them over any of the other hits and everything. I just feel like this is to me, I mean, this whole album overall, but this track in particular is just kind of like the distilled best of Harry Nielsen in here. But in the end, it still would be the end. Coming back to the lyrics of this song, I never thought I'd get this lonely. Uh, it, it's obviously a breakup song. Um, it's very clear that uh, Harry had been, you know, left by somebody and was very sad about it. And what's interesting, though, is that this album came out after he had met his third wife. So 
Harry had been married and divorced a few times. Uh, and then he, he met his, his wife that uh, would, would end up becoming his widow uh, at a ice cream shop. He walked in, got some ice cream, basically fell immediately in love with her and, and proposed to her only like weeks later or something. Like it was a very, you know, star crossed lovers kind of romance thing. And that all happened, you know, uh, around the time that he started making this record. So that kind of begs the question, like, was this song written, you know, well before the record came out and it's about, you know, somebody else? Could it have been about maybe his previous wife that, uh, you know, a song written about her, but he just never finished it and recorded it until now? Or is he maybe just kind of digging into his emotions from years past and being like, I'm going to write a breakup song. I know what it's like to break up with someone. Uh, I'm just going to, you know, d- dive into those feelings and then create something else. So, I, I think what what what's interesting here though is 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 the kind of lyrical wordplay that he does for which w- once again is just your classic breakup song. Yeah, I think the song has that kind of double edgedness where you know I never thought I'd feel this empty. I never thought I'd have to pay, and you don't know if he's talking about you know opening up his wallet, having to pay for these divorces <laughs> or he's just like, Oh, I never thought, you know, I'd like have this sad price to pay in my life. And I feel like that's kind of some of the, you know, funniness of the song. And, you know, it, even as he talks about, and, and again, we're, we're kind of thinking that this is written between uh, these relationships. So, you know, divorcing his second wife, and I can't remember if it was his first wife or his second wife, but the You're Breaking My Heart, the Fuck You song that I had mentioned in the history was, pr- people are pretty sure it was about, you know, one of those divorces. <laughs> um, but on, on this one, he's kind of like in this in-between space. So he has this line, while the glow of love is growing, how can one forget so quickly? Believe me, I'm sorry. So uh, you must be kind of somewhat a reflection back to like like as scott mentioned like oh i remember what it's like to break up and i'm gonna write this breakup song but also you know is he talking about this new love that he's found or was it something sort of you know unexpected that happened and it's kind of in that you know gray area i mean there's there's a certain as i mentioned with the scat singing and the whistling there's such a lot of fun with this song despite it being this breakup song i mean just i never thought i'd feel this guilty but now it's just too late to mend why i could say i'm sorry for a lifetime but in the end it still would be the end so i i feel like not in the context of a harry nielsen song if you were to listen to those lyrics you would feel like it's I don't know, like the cure or somebody. (laughs) It's just like, oh, this person like just feels awful about the world and everything and nothing's ever going to change. But, you know, in Harry Nielsen's hands, it becomes this kind of like silliness. But not not. Yeah, not not like silly, like 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 funny, you know, not like, you know, Weird Al silly. But at the same time, like he he approaches even these depressing things that people go through he's approaching it with a sense of humor and he and and that's like a thorough line throughout his entire career even even one is one of his most famous songs uh one which is you know a song that's 
basically about like, you know, being lonely sucks. Like if you had to sum up one in one sentence, it would be being lonely sucks. So it's a song about being lonely. And normally one would say like, oh, it's a song about being lonely. It's got to be sad. It's got to be in the minor key. It's got to be this. It's got to be that. And there's lots of jokey lines in that song too, where he's even the idea, like one is the loneliest number, you know, is like, well, duh, you know, like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, there's only one, you know? So it's just like that kind of, that kind of silliness, permeates through his entire career and 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 it's 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 so refreshing i mean obviously i know this 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 song is you know decades old at this point so calling it refreshing is kind of silly but at the same time like it's refreshing to to hear musicians you know kind of buck the trend and be like oh just because a song is about a sad topic doesn't mean the song has to be sad and the alternate you know just because a song is about happy stuff doesn't mean that it has to be all happy. It's, you know, it's like the, 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 a, a musician and a songwriter who doesn't think that their audience is stupid is always refreshing. It's always nice to be like, Oh, I am a songwriter who, who, and I trust that my audience is going to understand that just because the music sounds downtrodden and the lyrics are about a sad topic doesn't mean that we can't also incorporate some, some silliness in there. For a lifetime. But in the end, it's still, I have to admit that uh, I, I I wasn't super familiar with Harry Nielsen before we started working on this episode. I've always known Harry Nielsen and known a lot of his music, but and, and I think this is something that Jason touched on when we did our Leonard Cohen episode. I had sort of connected Harry Nielsen be, through other artists that had done. Harry Nielsen material. He was one of those, he's, he's one of those artists that I, I guess I know better because of other people's interpretations of him rather than actually listening to him. And so when Jason said, Oh, I want to do a song by Harry Nielsen, I kind of like got like, you know, a little nervous. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, like I know a bunch of stuff by him, but at the same time, like I know very little about him in, you know, in particular. So it was kind of like a crash course that I had to go through to like get to know who Harry Nielsen is uh, outside of the songs that I've heard by other people you know, do by him. And, and just, just to be clear, like, uh, there's, 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 you know, one of, one of Mariah Carey's most famous songs is a cover of a song that Harry Nielsen also covered. And I think mostly the Mariah Carey song is mostly inspired by the Harry Nielsen version rather than the original. And so like, you know, if you think like, Oh, Harry Nielsen is this guy from the seventies or whatever. I'm like, this is a guy that's like touched on like all manners of popular music. So chances are good that you've heard a lot of his material and you just don't know it yet. Um, but anyway, the, what I'm trying to get to here is that, uh, this, this documentary that we've mentioned a few times, who is Harry Nielsen is really interesting. It, it, it kind of condenses Harry's life into the usual 
uh, standard arc of, of rock stardom. You know, he's nobody, he gets a little famous, he gets very famous, and then he starts a gradual decline into drugs and alcohol until he eventually dies at an early age. And, you know, that's kind of like the cliche. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like the documentary does a really good job of presenting just how different and how uh, out there Harry really was, not only as a musician, but as a person. Uh, and I, I definitely recommend checking it out if, if, if there's anything that we've talked about today that's, that's piqued your interest. Or if you're already a Harry Nielsen fan and just for whatever reason haven't seen this documentary, I highly recommend checking it out because I thought it was really illuminating and definitely made me connect a lot more with him and his music than I had previously. Part of the reason why I was excited to do a Harry Nielsen episode is without hyperbole, I have been listening to Harry Nielsen my entire life. Uh, my parents had The Point, which I mentioned was the animated film that they did. This weird, crazy fable that Harry Nielsen wrote. Famously, he just freely admits like, oh yeah, I was on LSD and thought this thing up and wrote it down. And my parents had my parents had the record and I love the cover art. I love the story. And when the record originally came out, I mean, we've talked about so many things in this episode where like people just didn't do this kind of thing or this was kind of a new thing or a different thing, whether it's, you know, the remix album or the you know standards. But in this, they created this little like four page. I think it was just, you know, front cover flipped open back cover comic of the whole point story so you could put on the record and follow along and you know look at the comic and you know if you could read it as a standalone thing but you know as a kid like this was kind of my whole introduction to vinyl records and probably thinking about an album as like a whole concept or at least something that you would put on and listen to from beginning to end because in the case of this it you kind of had to because it told this whole story from beginning to end so for me like just harry nielsen has been somebody that i've like always loved the song we mentioned earlier me and my arrow like loved it as a kid still love it nowadays and i don't know i just think like there's so much that i do now like i'd love to you know listen to vinyl records now and collect vinyl records and and also it's turned into something kind of new because I can now like share this stuff with like my own kids and try to like introduce them to this thing. And I know there's a lot of people, you know, who there's a debate about, you know, the analog and digital. But I mean, for me, it was just more about like, oh, you can like physically hold this thing and look at this cover and, you know, listen to like a fun story about this, you know, poor outcast kind of feeling kid who like goes on this great adventure and it was just you know probably like one of the first introductions that I can think of of like a story that I like really got into and really liked the characters and loved like kind of the episodicness of you know he goes on this adventure and he meets like the rock man and he goes to the pointed forest and I don't know it was just such a cool introduction for me as a kid and to like have it be this kind of what still today is probably a more unique sort of standalone thing. Um, you know, I mentioned now that I have kids like trying to find stuff for them where it's always like sort of like the Raffi style stuff where it's just, you know, this, this nice guy singing, you know, kids songs. Um, Lisa Loeb has put stuff out and I feel like there's nothing that kind of is tailored to a younger audience without 
really talking down to them. And I don't know. I, I just feel like it's been really influential on me, not only, you know, loving music, but also kind of like loving stories and getting into all this kind of other stuff. So it's super cool that, you know, we can do this Harry Nielsen episode and I can kind of share and talk about all these things because I feel like, yeah, in some ways it's this guy who's had this kind of, you know, normal, you know, by the book rock star life, but also this guy who just created and left behind all these like really interesting things that, you know, for me now it's fun to listen to. I mean, I've probably listened to this Nielsen album like the most I have in a long time. And I feel like I've gotten, you know, so much more out of it the last few listens because you know as i get older it's you know especially this album in particular we were talking about um how it's this guy who's just sort of you know oh this is you know the end of my record contract you know i'm gonna just throw everything i got behind it and i feel like i better appreciate now the kind of whimsy he has and just sort of like taking taking life in stride no matter what kind of happens to you so i feel like this album has this kind of like celebratory quality so it's funny to kind of like connect so deeply with you know one album as a kid and then connect so deeply with this other album as an adult and it's you know the same guy so you know obviously you know i can't say anything more passionately than everybody should be listening to harry nielsen all the time but you know check him out you know i i just there's as scott mentioned you know you've probably already encountered him through somebody else's music already um and there's the great documentary so can't say enough good things everybody should find out who is harry nielsen and why is everybody talking about him please visit our website at www.skippedonshuffle.com for more news about other episodes and our upcoming schedule we are also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Please visit skippedonshuffle.com for links to all of our social media pages.